Thank you for that. Um, you can go ahead and be seated. We're just going to kind of launch in. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of that guy, Captain Obvious. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Captain Obvious. But can I, I'm just going to take a minute and be Pastor Obvious for three points this morning. Um, point number one from Pastor Obvious. Strong families build strong churches. Point number two from Pastor Obvious. The enemy's most important target is your home. Number three, the enemy's most desired strike zone is the bullseye of your family. Paul reminded the church in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, he took time in his letter to the church to address the family. He took uh, more than just those chapters, but if you'll take time and read through those chapters, you'll find instruction on how to have a strong family. He uses the initial part of chapter 6 to give us this instruction. He said, children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. And I'm not, uh, I don't have anything specific to say to Justin this morning, if he's wondering. No, uh, no directed intention, but just, you know, it's interesting that Paul stops up in this, in this massive letter to one of the most important churches in Asia to talk to them about, children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. There was something about the, this, the synchronicity that happened when families worked in harmony. And then he goes on, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, just in case we all, we thought we escaped this morning, he, he singles out the dads, he said, and you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You see, the great apostle Paul, with all of his background and wisdom that he had learned studying at the feet of great teachers and, and, uh, and then in turn receiving the apostolic experience and moving into the realm of, of becoming the apostle for the region and the area, knew that we could have explosive revival in churches, but if homes are imploding, we have a problem. If you were to lean back and look into the Part of the tragedy that's described in Israel's spiritual state by the weeping prophet Jeremiah in chapter 2 and verse 26, you'd find this little bit of intelligence. It says, as the thief is ashamed when he is found, so is the house of Israel ashamed. And then he begins to talk about their civil government. He said, he said their kings and their princes. And then he speaks about their spiritual government and their priests and their prophets. It's in disarray. He said, they're saying to a tree, thou art my father, and to a stone, thou hast brought me forth, for they have turned their back unto me and not their face. But in the time of their trouble, they will say, arise and save us. Jeremiah is just giving Israel a brief synopsis of where they are spiritually. He says, let me just show you where you are. You're, you're turning your back. He said, spiritually, you're, you're so dis distorted and, and, and just kind of in disruption. He said that, that now you're calling a tree your father and, and to a stone that it brought you forth. He said, there, there's a breakdown in the spiritual level. Can I just, just let us know that when there's a breakdown in spiritual government, there's always a breakdown in family relationship. 
because the, the result of that spiritual breakdown was that there was a breakdown in the home. No longer did children honor their parents. No longer did sons honor their fathers or daughters honor their mothers. And there was a, a turning that need to, needed to happen. Family breakdown then leads to personal breakdown. And I don't know if you can sense it with me or not, but I think we all feel the tremors of heartquake in our society. There is a tsunami of the soul that threatens the survival of morality in our day, and it comes from the epicenter of family. We've talked for the last few weeks about the kind of church that our city needs. Can I, can I just talk for a few moments this morning about the kind of family your church needs today? The kind of family that your church needs today. This morning, I'd like to just ring that bell a little bit closer to home and remind us that true revival starts there. Does any, do people even have doorbells anymore other than ring? I think, I think ours doesn't work. But we've got one of those ring doorbell, doorbells out here on the office wing and and, uh, and sometimes we, we, we get it all fired up when we're all in here. So we know if you came or know if somebody shows up. And there's different times, you know, it gives a little indicator. Pastor says, I can't believe you have that indicator on your phone. It's like, ding We know that somebody's come by the office wing door. Or then sometimes it's like, ding dong. And I'm not talking about the delivery guy, but it, it's a different ring when he shows up and and uh, it just kind of lets you know, it kind of lets you know when, when somebody's just kind of passing by or when somebody's actually there and, and they're kind of ringing the bell to say, hey, uh, we, we need your attention for a moment. We need a signature on a parcel. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I hope I haven't come to the room this morning and, and I'm just tapping an empty buzzer today. I, I hope for a moment that, that I can get in your space and it just isn't a little ding uh, on, on the way to lunch for fathers. I think that this morning, if we could just pause for a moment, I'd like to just ring the bell for a minute, stand back and say, can we just focus on a few things for a moment? Because, because if, our, if our city needs an apostolic church, then, then our church needs some apostolic families. We need families that function in, in the operation that God intended for them to function. And, 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 and dads, I'm not trying to be sexist ladies. I'm not trying to leave any of you out. But dads, we, we play a huge role in accomplishing that purpose. And one of the reasons that we pause on a day like today, not only is it to celebrate all of us, but it's to remind all of us about the responsibility that we all have. God has privileged us and challenged us. And uh, without a doubt, we see that breakdown in society around us. So we could talk all about the problems in society today, or we could remind ourselves that God has a tremendous promise for a family and a church and a city that gets everything working in proper order. Someone tap the dad in your life near you and say, we need you. That was pretty quiet, I don't know. I guess all the children are downstairs. Someone tap a dad that's near you and just tell him, we need you. It was part of the end time promise that came through the prophet Malachi. He declared that God was gonna use a prophetic voice, not just for the church to rise, but for the home to heal. 
Somehow in God's uh, foreknowledge, he understood that our end time day was going to have a breakdown in our homes. And he gave us not only a synopsis of the problem, but he attached this promise to it. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 6. Someone say it with me. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. That attached to all of the, the, the problem that he was talking about, he said that, that there was going to be this opportunity that was presented and that God was going to turn the heart of the fathers to the children and that God was going to turn the heart of the children to the fathers. And there's something very comforting about that to us today, isn't there? So I haven't just come to let us all know about what we aren't doing right. I, I'd like to remind us about the hope that God gives us in the word, that there is going to be a season and a time before the end times that God is going to put some things together that need to be restored, that there's going to be a time before the end times that, that not only are we going to see in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and we're claiming that promise, but along with all that, there's going to be a repair that God does in homes. There's going to be a revival that God brings amongst our families, that, that God is going to bring a restoration that maybe some of us didn't see or didn't expect, but God said there's going to be a turning. There's going to be a turning in some hearts, and right now maybe you're looking at a circumstance and you're saying, I just see impossibility, but God said where you see impossibility, I see a miracle, and God is going to turn hearts. God's going to turn hearts. God's going to do some impossible works. I, I want to bring hope to somebody today because right now it looks a little bit hopeless. And I'm not just trying to turn some evangelistic crank today. I really feel in my spirit that God is drawing, that God is restoring, that God is repairing a breach, and that God is building a bridge for somebody to come back home on. I'm talking about prodigals that are coming back. God is doing a work of restoration. God is turning hearts. You see, it's one thing for us to turn a heart. We can tell an emotional story and get somebody's heart involved. We can talk about, uh, about somebody and get them enthused or get them involved emotionally. But when God begins to turn hearts, there isn't anything that can stop that turning. When God begins to turn hearts, there isn't anything that can turn them around. God is the ultimate heart turner. If you'll take a moment and look back with me through Scripture, uh, in, in the New Testament, Jesus begins the job of restoring what has been lost to Israel. He has a very visible motive. He wants to turn the heart of the children toward the Father. I'm not talking about any Trinitarian philosoph uh, theology this morning. I, I, I'm talking about the role that Jesus accomplished in pointing people to God. He could have used any number of cues to command change. He could have declared the omnipotence of God. He could have declared the omniscience of God. He could have claimed the commandments of the chief commanding operating officer. And he could have just kind of ordered all of the things to happen and told the people this is what they have to do. But if you'll think with me, Jesus began to show people the heart of a father. He could have pulled down the lightning and thunder. That happened in the Old Testament. Could have, uh, could have done the old open up the earth and swallow them up. 
Always seems to get people's attention. Bears running out of the forest tends to cut back on critics. A good round of instant leprosy can let someone know that they've misspoke or stepped out of line. He could have he played the cards with a heavy hand. But he doesn't do any of those things because you can make someone conform behavior but never transform their heart. He could have employed titles of respect and demanded that Israel look at God as Elohim or El Shaddai or Yahweh or Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah, uh, just go down through the whole list. He, he could have commanded all those titles and, and, and all, all those things. He, he could have called them Adonai. He could have called them all those things. But Jesus chooses to step out and begin to invite people back and turn their hearts with the simple word, Father. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. What? God Almighty. That's how we pray. Jesus says, this is how you pray. Our Father, which art in heaven. He used his greatest, most powerful tool to turn the heart of the children back to the Father. He used love. You see, if you look in Scripture, it's, it's amazing. I, I just began to do a search for the times that your father, that title was used by Jesus. And over and over again, we, we're just into Matthew and Jesus begins his teaching. And, and sometimes in, a, in about five chapters, we find multiple in the teens, the number of times that he begins to say, your father. He could have said, your God, your almighty God. I just reminded myself of Brother James Fudge right there. Jesus used the word Father. He began to describe the attributes of, not God, he began to describe the attributes of our Father. Matthew 5, 49, Be therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven, is perfect. Your, your father's perfect. Your father knows what you need, Matthew chapter 6. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of. Your father. Your father forgives. If ye forgive men your trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Your father. Your father feeds, behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feedeth them. Someone say your father. Your father knows, for all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly father knoweth that you have need. He knows. Your father gives. He, Matthew chapter 7, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? And we're only in Matthew chapter 7. We're just a few chapters in and it continues. Are not two pharaohs, a sparrow is sold for a farthing and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. He knows, he sees your father, sees your father's not willing that any should perish. Matthew 8. 14, even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one, of, that one of these little ones should perish. Your Father is merciful. Be therefore merciful as your Father 
also is merciful. Your father is a giver. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto, the ch unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give? And on and on and on it goes. Jesus could have used any number of those very strong titles to describe God, but he uses the word Father. And Jesus' action and Jesus' teaching and Jesus' love, it all is directed to show them that their Father loves them. We use the verse, it's not overused, by the way, it needs to be used, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, your father. I wonder if you just pause for a moment and thank God that he's that kind of father today. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for your presence that's just moved in this room. God, you know. God, you care. And I'm not trying to diminish anything that God is, but to me, the greatest, the greatest, the greatest attribute of our God is that he chooses to be our father. And Jesus' role, his responsibility, his call, his teaching, his message was to turn the hearts of those people that had gone so wayward, those people that Jeremiah had just described, those people that had been so misdirected in their approach and their love, were now being called back. You know, we have the, the wrong ideas sometimes. You know, what, what Jesus was doing was saying, here's the heart of your father. Let me just talk to you about your father. He gives, he loves, he knows, he cares. Because shame will push us the wrong way so often. I've got personal stories that I could use about different times when, well, let me, I'll go ahead and use one. I'll just, this simple, this ain't, this ain't that deep, but go on the journey with me. You know, those times when, when you think, you know, I, I handled that one all right. I got lots where I didn't handle good. That's bad English, and I was a bad dad. Lost your cool, lost <laughs> whatever. I've done that. But I remember this one time. Justin was just learning to drive, had his permit. We had come up here in the, <clears throat> the church. We had a load of stuff on a trailer and and uh, I had a meeting in the office, and of course, we were running close to the, close to the timeline. I pulled in the parking lot, and maybe you've heard this before, I don't know. I pull, pulled in the parking lot, and, and, and I, I pulled up by the door, and I said, Just, just take that trailer out back and put it in the dumpster. It's all stuff that we had gathered together for, for the church that we, had, you know, that we needed to get rid of. And, and I said, I'm going to go in for the meeting. Don't back up. Just do the loop. Just drive. So I'm in the meeting, and I'm glad that I'm not emptying the trailer. The boys are. It was Justin and Carlos. They were out back. And I'm in the meeting, and I, I look out <clears throat> through the door. The glass door is closed, and I was finishing off the meeting. I look out, and I, I see Carlos standing there. 
And then I, I, I see Justin. He's like, wait, I got, I got Justin. I'm like, oh, yeah. So I opened the door and I said, you backed up, didn't you? <laughs> He's like, yeah. So I go out <clears throat> and uh, I can't remember the, the neck of the trailer, whatever, where the, the trailer's all bent. It's a great big, still is, old blue. Still is a big dent in the back quarter panel. The, the wood that was on the trailer is all kind of broken off sideways and everything's kind of... I, I said, I said uh, what'd you do? Put it in reverse and just slam the gas? <laughs> and I was kind of laughing. So at that point, the boys were like, Carlos was like, pretty much! I don't know where Justin is. Ha <laughs> 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 pretty much. So we went to the place of the offense. It was just skid marks and splinters. Leftover parts of whatever on the trailer. But I, you know, I just, it just wasn't, wasn't, wasn't worth wasn't worth tearing into somebody about whose fault was that. I just said, don't back up. I never ever showed him how to back a trailer up. He said, I thought you met in the parking lot, Dad. My bad. Our bad. Is that okay, Jeff? Sorry. It's not my notes. It's dangerous when I get off my notes. So we could have had history about tearing a strip and never forget this moment. But you know, the heart of my, heart of my father, the heart of a father in me was like, my son's more important than, you know, we'll, we'll have that story to tell in a sermon someday and it'll be worth it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, uh, I read an interesting story one time. Stephen Curtis Chapman, so many of us know him as an artist, as a performer. But he's experienced some tremendous tragedy in his life. And they wrote about it. They said that he was standing on his front porch, his home there in Franklin, Tennessee, we can come back to the music. May the 2nd of 2008, when he saw his 17-year-old son, Will Franklin, coming up the driveway in an old SUV. Will was driving uncharacteristically slow and wasn't talking on his cell phone, but as he drove around the back of the Chapman household, he was turning the corner, and in his blind spot, he didn't see his five-year-old little sister, Maria, who had been in the playground 
in their backyard with her two sisters. She was running towards her brother when she saw him coming in the yard because she wanted him to lift her onto the monkey bars. And tragically, in that very moment, she ran into the path of the SUV and was struck by Will Franklin. As they were waiting for medical personnel to arrive, the the Chapmans did everything that they could do. Stephen and his wife performed CPR on Maria without any avail, and medical professionals showed up, and Will was just beside himself. He had tried to run away. He said, I wasn't trying to get away from the wrong. He said, I just didn't, I was trying to get away. I didn't know what to do, and his brother football tackled him and said, you can't leave, Will, you can't leave. You can't leave, you have to stay. The helicopter came, the girl was flown to Vanderbilt Children's Hospital in Nashville. It was in that moment of tragedy, the clear possibility, and maybe even it was obvious to the family that this was now a fatality was rocking that family. Stephen got everything together. Somebody swung by and he hopped in the car and they were taking him to that hospital and on his way out of the yard he looked and he saw he saw his son Will Franklin doubled over in agony of what had just happened. En route to the hospital and in the middle of the moment, Stephen stopped the car. He said, stop, stop. He hopped out of the car and he yelled to his son. He said, Will Franklin, your father loves you. I teared up when I read that story. I thought of it, even now, it impacts me. The horrifying reality of the tragic fatality settling in on that family. But the heart of a father is revealed in that moment. I can't even imagine the conflict that he was facing. And but he cries out, Will, Franklin, your father loves you. In the midst of unspeakable tragedy, the heart of the father comes through. You know, it's that kind of heart that God wants us to see that he has. It's that kind of heart that God wants us to know. That's how much he cares for us. It's that kind of heart that reaches when we say, I, I've gone too far. I've, I've done so much wrong. I've missed the mark. I, I should. I can't. I, I, I'm not worthy. God says, hang on. Insert your name here. Your father loves you it's the prodigal son in the pink pen and he says well I'll just, I'll just go home and I'll be a servant in dad's house but, but as he's afar off his father's on the step your father loves you and for someone this morning maybe you're just, you're just in that place and, and I don't know where you are but God knows where you are and in this room this morning if 
If you can just stay bent and if you can just stay moving in the wrong direction, maybe yourself or your pride or, or whatever it is that you're hiding can, can stay covered and you can just can kind of continue sliding off and in a backslidden way. But can I just let somebody know today that, that God is crying out in this room this morning that He loves you and maybe in just a moment like this God is using this minute to turn a heart back maybe this is the miracle that God said that he would perform in that end time revival that God is going to begin to turn the heart of the children not just toward a natural father but the spiritual father God is repairing a breach in somebody's heart and somebody's home this morning I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Would you just lift hands for a minute? God, would you let your word speak? Let your word speak this morning, God. Come on, the, the shame would mount up and the wrongdoing would just kind of the accuser of the brethren has done a great job at telling you what you've done wrong. But God is crying in this room this morning. I love you. I love you. It's Romans 8. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If the enemy can convince you that you're nothing more than a servant, then you'll run away. But if you can ever realize that you're a son, that you're a daughter, you will never escape that call of love that comes in the room in a moment like this. You'll never escape the call of love that come on, translates somewhere over the video screen to somebody this morning. That's what, it, it translates beyond the walls of the room. If we can just let the message out, God loves you this morning. His love's unending. It's, it's reaching. It's far beyond what you can imagine. His, his love doesn't stop. It's, un, it, it, it's relentless. It just chases you down. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, the call comes. I love you. For God so loved the world. God, in His omniscience, He already knew everything that would happen in your life. He already knew the wrongdoing that would occur. But you know what He said? I'll go to the cross. I'll bear the shame. I'll take... I'll pay the price. I'll, I'll pay my life for God. So love the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'll be the loving father this morning. He's in the room today. If we truly understood the love of the father, there isn't anything that could keep us apart. There isn't anything that could keep us apart. Allow me to remind you, coming in for a close, the verse that started this promise speaking this morning, that God will turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. With that steering wheel of the soul in God's hand today, will you let Him lead you back home? You say it's a 
It's, it's a sharp turn, Pastor Jack. That's exactly what repentance means. It's a turnaround. It's a turnaround. What? That, that happens. Repentance happens when God turns the heart. That God is moving in the room. And you say, you don't understand. I'm on, I'm on an impossible track right now. Uh-uh. It's possible God's turning the heart. That's what repentance is. And repentance is the opportunity that exists not just for the first time you've been at CCC. It's the opportunity that exists for the, the person in their 60th year at CCC. Repentance is the privilege of us saying, God, I got it wrong. Turn my heart. When God turns the heart, salvation comes back into picture. When, when God turns the heart, we pick ourselves. We come to ourselves and we pick ourselves up out of the pig pen and we begin the journey back home because we went too long in the wrong direction. But when God turns the heart, we're going to make our way back. It doesn't matter what we're called. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter. We are sons of God. I'm going back home. Your father loves you. Your father loves you. So let God drive this morning. Let God steer the heart. He wants to redirect. He wants to reorder. He wants to revive and he wants to restore today. What a tremendous father. I wonder if you'd stand together with me. So if God really is driving today, you know what? I, I, I know it's, it's, it's a country song. I'm sorry. But somebody's got to say, Jesus, take the wheel. That's all right. I know some of you have never heard that. But it's time to let God drive. It's kind of time to let God work. He's turning hearts today. So what is God wanting to redirect in your life this morning? In your family, is there a hurt that needs healing so, so you can move on? God can do that. Is there pain that you need to move past? God can do that. Can, can, I, just, can I just remind us all, we, we can't go forward looking in the rearview mirror. I'm not saying don't acknowledge pain. I'm not saying don't acknowledge suffering. I'm not, not saying acknowledge, don't acknowledge past. Don't, I'm not saying don't learn from what was done wrong. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying it's time to move forward. God, God has a place he's leading us to. It's time to go on. Is there forgiveness that needs to be granted or sought? Is there a wrong that needs to be righted? Spiritually, have you got the wrong perception of your father? Do you have the wrong idea about who or what God is? Are you a private prodigal that, that you really need to make your way home today? Are you needing a U-turn, a quarter turn, a slight turn? Where's your heart directed this morning? Because five degrees from center, I'm so, Jesus at the center of it all, we sang it, but are, are we living it today? Does God just need a slight turn in our lives to get us back on track? I'll, I'll use the words. I'll, I'll use the words that I gave Justin. That 
memorable afternoon. Don't back up. No room for backsliding today. It's time to go forward into what God has for us. There's a promise there. There's hope there. There's, there's something that God's ready to bestow and pour out and rain down and, and give. And, 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 and not only does your family need that, not only, not only do, 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 do wives need husbands that are engaged and involved, and, and not only do children need dads that are fully in spiritual form, but your church needs that. Your church needs you to be an apostolic dad. We, we, if we're going to be that church, then we need those kind of fathers today. Take the method, take the lead of your father in heaven and become the dads that God has called us to be. God is turning hearts this morning. I wonder if you pray together with me. Jesus, your help is here right now. I wonder if everybody just lift your voice. I expected it to be a little bit muted, but I wonder if you would just talk to God for a minute. God, you're drawing right now. there's two ways to look at this moment you can just begin to move past it or you can say God put the mirror of your word up in my life for a minute God I need to examine some things I I need to redirect God would you would you order my steps with your word I'm going the wrong way God I'm going it's not a it's not a big it's not a big misdirection but God I'm going in the wrong direction God, would you bring me back to center? God, would you give me back that focus? Would you give me back that spiritual, God, that spiritual emphasis, that spiritual directive? Would you place that in my heart? Would you place that in my life? I need that in my family. My community needs that. My, my church needs that. My family needs that today. greatest honors that we have is to speak to the homes and the families in our church. We need you. I am so grateful as we look around the room today. I am so grateful that people are coming home. That's why we put that welcome home on the screen. I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that people are making this a priority. Pastor and I, Eric, Thank you for being faithful in giving. And thank you for being faithful in every area. Thank you. Thank you for being faithful in prayer meeting. And thank you for being faithful to service. And I'll say this in advance, or I'll say this because you have. Thank you for being fathers of faith in your home. Thank you for making prayer a priority. Thank you for making a word, the word, the, the, the thing that directs your life every day. Thank you for seeking first the kingdom of God and then worrying about everything else that's going to come after it. It's going to come. Don't worry. Thank you. Thank you for being men of God and women of God. Thank you. And 
thank you for allowing God to reorder and revive some things that have been broken down in your life today. Happy Father's Day. God's got the greatest gift for us all if we'll receive it. Let's sing it one more time.